There are people all over the world in need of our help and support. Children in Yemen, vulnerable families in the Republic of Congo, Rohingya and Uganda refugees, and children around the world that need to be fed. The UN has been embarking on world food programs for a long time and has been made simpler to participate now. All you need to do is to download an app called Share the Meal and donate as little as 80 cents, which is equivalent to four CDs. 50 pesos to feed one child for 24 hours. You can also decide to give monthly, weekly, however way you want, or quote an amount you can afford to pay. Together, we can end hunger. Hi, grab yourself a glass of water and take this painkiller. How do you feel? Better? My name's Coco and welcome to the community that reeks of self-love, self-care and confidence. We provide support to people looking forward to smashing altars of depression and anxiety in their lives. Join us as we spread love, light and hope. Welcome back to Painkillers. I have absolutely missed you and I'm hoping that you've had a great week. And as a friend of mine would say, here is your weekly dose of Vim. <laughs> we are in the month of September and September is a suicide prevention month. It is the month of suicide prevention, if you didn't know. Um, so this is a month that means a lot to painkillers because you know we're all about mental health we're all about slashing suicide weights down to single digits and whatnot so this is pretty much a month that means a lot to us for that reason the very first thing that came to me to talk about or to speak on was PTSD which is post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD is a mental health condition that someone can develop after going through a pretty traumatic experience or a horrifying or terrifying experience. This is a disorder that is very peculiar because not everybody who goes through a traumatic experience is prone to going on further to develop PTSD. But then those people who go on further to develop PTSD, they really struggle and it's a whole cycle a roller coaster of depression, anxiety, hypervigilance. Yo, it's a big thing. And so I wanted to just talk about PTSD. Uh, I adapted a letter to trauma victims and survivors. So, as I said, it's not everybody who goes through a life threatening or terrifying experience goes on further to develop PTSD. The chance of developing PTSD may increase if the person is a woman or the person has a history of mental health problems, uh, if the person is related to someone who has experienced trauma, if the person has experienced multiple traumas, if the person is tagged as a different person. Normally that has to do with multiple traumas because that whole face also has its own stuff that are very daunting because then they are facing stuff of people bullying them or people just not accepting them for who they are and apart from that also people who just battle with being different you know just the whole different not in terms of your sexuality just being different maybe your social class or yeah stuff like that if you also experience 
trauma for a long duration of time that could also increase someone's chance of developing ptsd uh, if the person doesn't have access to a support system that is even a worse case scenario that is something that this painkillers podcast is there for you're trying to provide a support system you know how the first aid kit works right it's like performing immediate systems to save somebody's life or something before the person is rushed to the hospital now as i made notes on ptsd it was very difficult for me to write down certain things that may be triggering so i want to put out there i should have put it before the podcast i feared that i would talk about something that somebody has been through and trigger a painful memory so i didn't know exactly how to go about it but i was able to just come out with the fact that i would just generalize it instead of giving scenarios because i'm actually trying to educate the public as well so i need to give out examples probably giving out deep descriptions because that would be very triggering to people who faced it and i absolutely don't want that to happen so most of the time people with ptsd were likely to go through an assault abuse combat people who have military training people who went for wars and stuff like that very very likely to uh, develop ptsd people who've been neglected people who've been bullied people who've experienced natural disasters people who've been kidnapped uh, people who've been harassed medical injuries or illnesses people who've been through very crazy toxic relationships because like you know it's very intimate and okay i'm not going to go too deep as i promised um people who've been through catastrophic accidents or people who've lost people that they love cared about deeply or just admired or revered so these are things these are examples of things that people experiences that people might have which could further on make them develop ptsd now, the fact that somebody has experienced trauma does not necessarily mean that they'll automatically go on to develop PTSD. I keep saying it and honestly, I'm not trying to bash those people at all. Definitely not because the only person who's qualified to determine what isn't traumatic to you should be you. And before I even go deep into the whole PTSD topic, I want to put the fact out there that I have a lot of friends who were diagnosed with PTSD, right? And the thing is, before I became a mental health activist or very passionate about mental health and started reading and researching and stuff like that, I really didn't think, definitely because of my ignorance, I was very non-gullible, that's a word. I wouldn't believe it when I hear people's stories about things they've been through and things that cause them pain. I wouldn't, I don't know why, but I, of course, I would be there to support the person. It's just in my heart, deep within my spirit, I felt like this person might be lying to me. And honestly, those times for me, I absolutely understand because I did have trust issues back then. I mean, if today people lie to me about what they've been through, I wouldn't even mind about that. I wouldn't because I'm honestly trying to provide help and support. So if you lie about something you've been through, I mean, that's on you, okay? I'm just, I can't really filter. I can't be, I can't have you filter and be like, you're lying. 
you're being honest you're this so i won't help you no i'm providing support and help to every single person because i remember the very first episode the pilot episode i had an excerpt where i said something like if a two-year-old comes to me and tells me that they are depressed i would stop whatever i'm doing and then take a listen because then you might be depressed for all the wrong reasons right so honestly it doesn't matter you don't have to be that judgmental or have that kind of prejudice because as i said earlier the only person who's qualified to determine what is traumatic or what isn't traumatic to you is you so if let's say you're riding a bike and then you fell down and you say that's a traumatic experience and because of that you're having ptsd i have no right to ask you are you sure this no i mean if you've been to a psychologist and you've been diagnosed with ptsd right that's that's the exception <laughs> ptsd is not self-diagnosed you need to visit a psychiatrist or a psychologist and figure it out so if anybody at all comes with daunting stories or horrifying experiences and you are having doubt in your heart i will tell you babe you need to forget about that you need to honestly take care of yourself and just remove that filter because if they say it is that just believe them right and let's help them that's pretty much it because you know how they say something i don't know if you guys know this thing it's um in katia book i don't think well, my non-Ghanaian listeners wouldn't know, but then these are peanuts, very popular in Ghana. And I really like these peanuts, mind you. Thank God I don't have that problem because some of people eat peanuts, then they get pimples. Thank goodness that's not my pimple, you know, appear. That's a word, but <laughs> pimple inducer. <laughs> oh my God, that's a bad joke. Anyway, um, <laughs> threw myself off. Anyway, so thank God it's not, you know, my pimple inducer. But whenever I'm eating that snack and then I'm, you know, chewing on the nuts and it's in my mouth, because I don't take one at a time. I'm, I'm, I have like four or five in my mouth at a time and I'm chewing and I don't even swallow until I'm actually done chewing, probably adding on. It's just that's the way that it's eating. If you were a diehard and Katia Boga fan, you know that as there's nuts in your mouth, you keep adding and then. <laughs> Anyway, so that's pretty much how it's done. And whenever I I pick a bad nut and I add it to the existing food product in my mouth, I'm like, this is really bad. And I end up spitting the entire thing out just because of one nut. So this same concept I want you to, you know, use or compare side by side and try to just not to really let people's wrongfully diagnose PTSDs or demeaning forms of PTSD because you know people just play with stuff a lot and yeah just don't let that be something that causes you to close in and close your eyes when there's actually probably some truth or even someone else who might be facing something really honest but because you don't trust or because you have that filter on you're not able to really discern and it's causing you to just not be there for people or to help people so i'm advising basically that you just take off the filter altogether and just help people who have ptsd or people who need the support american psychological association talked about the fact that approximately 50 percent of people in the world go through at least one traumatic experience in their lifetime so if the world is consisting of 100 people only 50 out of the 100 people are likely to experience a traumatic experience that's one so at least in your lifetime only 50 people out of the 100 and out of the 50 people only eight 
90% go on to develop PTSD. So as I keep saying, it's not everybody who goes through something traumatic ends up having to deal with PTSD. And honestly, not developing PTSD after a traumatic experience does not make your trauma invalid. Definitely not. You deserve to heal too. You don't deserve what happened to you. It doesn't make your trauma any less valid. It counts. It does. It really does. For people battling PTSD, they are most likely to experience symptoms. But then these symptoms are divided into four groups, which are re-experiencing, avoidance, arousal and reactivity, and then finally, cognition and mood. First of all, somebody with PTSD is more likely or is most likely to experience flashbacks. They are likely to have nightmares, insomnia, dissociation from people, numbing, panic, aggression, self-harm, avoidance, severe anxiety, low self-esteem, hypervigilance, negative mood changes, feeling empty, low to no concentration, and never feeling safe. I'm really tempted to just go deeper into the symptoms because I think some of them might not be easily understood. So I'll just pick out a few and then just talk about those. Flashbacks, that's pretty easy to understand. Insomnia, so people who experience PTSD find it very difficult to fall asleep or find it very difficult to get sleep or close their eyes and just be inactive for a couple of hours. It's very scary, I'm not gonna lie. Dissociation from people. People with PTSD most of the time just want to be left alone. They tend to just go offline for a very long time, sometimes just for a couple of days, sometimes for a really long time. Apart from dissociation from your surroundings or from people, which is disconnecting from people, there's also another form of dissociation, which is a disconnection between your thoughts, feelings, memories, or identity as an attempt to distance yourself from your trauma. Sometimes feeling the full effect of trauma is unbearable, so PTSD patients slip into a dissociative state to escape reality. And it can show up as memory loss, feeling disconnected from your body, feeling disconnected from your surroundings, feeling emotionally detached or numb, having flashbacks or spacing out, or in having difficulty concentrating. So as I said earlier, it can be self-diagnosed. So you can't sit in your car or in the comfort of your home, do a couple of research and reading, and then jump to the conclusion that you have PTSD. It's a very huge topic, it's a very serious case, it's a very serious mental health disorder and if you do not go to a trained medical professional for help on diagnosis and treatment, it can be very serious. Numbing, they get to a point where they don't feel pain, they don't feel anything at all, they just get to a point where they're just numb and they don't have any emotions at all. Panic, uh, that can be in conjunction with anxiety and never feeling safe. Aggression, these people are most likely to also be very aggressive. Some people are very timid, others might be very aggressive. They might be hostile, um, they might be very angry most of the time. These people are also very likely to cut or um, have syringes injected into themselves. You know, Asians have a finger pricking technique for indigestion, and apparently that is very helpful. But for self-harm, I'm very aware of the cutting procedure. 
And hypervigilance would also be connected with anxiety, panic, and never feeling safe. Because then you are very vigilant, you're aware of your surroundings, you are either very anxious or nervous to do stuff, or you probably feel like there are people watching you. You feel like there's something about to happen to you. People with PTSD suffer from hypervigilance and are most likely to be alert all the time. The fact that you've read about PTSD and you have knowledge on it doesn't mean that you can diagnose yourself and then tell people or tell yourself that you have PTSD. It can be self-diagnosed. It cannot. And if you think you might be developing PTSD, please make an appointment with a trained mental health professional. Because the longer you go untreated, the less are your chance of remission or healing. And that can be very dangerous. So instead of going around or going about telling people that you have PTSD, Make sure that you've seen somebody who is in a rightful position to diagnose you and actually help you treat the PTSD you're claiming to have. Now that may have sounded a bit indifferent, not at all, not at all. I mean, if you claim you have PTSD without proper diagnosis, I'm very worried about you because you might have it, but you, okay, you have it. So what are you doing to get better or to get treated or get the remission you need, right? So it's very important that you talk to someone who can actually help. Is PTSD treatable? Is PTSD something that can leave, first of all, yes it's very treatable and this isn't coming from my religion or from the fact that i'm having a sort of religious prejudice i am a christian i do believe there's healing for every single infirmity for sure but this is a scientific proven thing that ptsd can actually be treated there are so many therapies cognitive behavioral therapy cbt which is a course i'm personally taking because i want to help people with ptsd dialectual behavioral therapy dbt eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy which is emdr you can read more about these things um they are stuff that people with ptsd can actually there are therapies that people with ptsd can undergo or in the process of healing now, my friend told me that I should chip this in my recording, that, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I do read and I do have knowledge on it. <laughs> no, let me actually say exactly what he said. He said, say, I am not a psychologist, but I have done research into the topic I'm speaking on in this podcast. Thank you, Macho. I have put this in there. These are six myths that have been debunked by an actual PTSD survivor and research personnel. The first myth is, you have to remember your trauma to struggle with flashbacks for PTSD. No, definitely not. You don't have to remember because some experiences are so traumatic and terrifying that our brains protect ourselves from the memories, right? They are suppressed memories and they can actually resurface as PTSD symptoms, even though they've been forgotten. So it's never really true that you need to remember your trauma to deal with your flashbacks. Secondly, having post-traumatic symptoms is equal to having PTSD. What? 
no <laughs> you know this is why we need to talk to people who are more professional because why would you sit down somewhere read online i call this the google doctors because why would you go on google and then see so these are my symptoms give me a diagnosis no i mean that's a personal research right but you need to go to a licensed professional to help you out don't tell me it's common sense no because before you know i started talking about ptsd i made mention of the fact that not everybody who goes through a traumatic experience goes on to develop ptsd so having ptsd symptoms does not mean you have ptsd and it's only those who experience disruptive symptoms for over one month after going through their traumatic experience can actually develop ptsd so if you went through let's say you have a, a car accident right and then you just have so much anxiety when you're getting into a car and it just went on for about two weeks or you know probably three weeks and then after that you don't mind you can get into a car and then just drive off thing you don't have any anxiety or whatever that's pretty much not involved with PTSD because it's actually overcome the anxiety. Thirdly, PTSD cannot be treated. No, that's a myth and I strongly debunk it. PTSD has so many uh, treatment methods that are available and can significantly reduce PTSD symptoms, which are the CBT, EBT, and EMDR that I mentioned earlier. The next myth is everyone who experiences trauma develops PTSD. No, it's only 8% of the people who experience trauma go on further to develop PTSD. Next myth, you will develop PTSD only if you experience symptoms immediately after the trauma. So when I was giving the uh, car accident scenario and I said one month, there was basically a duration and not a particular time. So although the symptoms may typically appear within three months after a traumatic event, it's not really certified. It's not really concrete. Uh, it's not a concrete fact that it would come in the first three months of your experience. It might actually be delayed and it can actually resurface after years. But after so many years, when it comes and then, you know, you're able to experience it within a short period of time, say two or three weeks, not too much of a month, then you have developed PTSD, right? And if it goes over a month, then you are likely to actually have PTSD. The next myth is that only those who directly experience a traumatic event can develop PTSD. No. The same scenario using a car accident, if for instance I was standing there when the accident happened, I can also develop PTSD. So witnessing, being involved in, or learning of traumatic events can be just as impactful as experiencing traumatic events directly. Most of the time I get very worked up when I hear rape cases and it's very traumatic for me. So for that fact, it's very difficult for me to be locked up in a room with the opposite gender and not be anxious. You know, I would be very anxious I've heard the rape cases and stuff like that. So I'm very much uh, nervous when it comes to being in the, a small space with the opposite sex or gender. So what I mentioned were the six myths that we should obviously or totally erase from our minds about PTSD. Now I did a special research on insomnia for people battling with getting a good night's sleep. I'm very worried about that and for that reason I did a lot of research into that. First of all, you have to establish a relaxing nighttime routine. 
when I was reading about this, I was very much in love because it was talking about the fuses, talking about music, either reading before you go to bed. It's a routine, right? So it's supposed to be relaxing, putting on a face mask, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, if you can't afford a face mask or a diffuser, something very simple can be used. You can cut up some cucumber, just put it on your eyelids or on your eye, or you can slice up some oranges and then make a replica of a diffuser. I think there's a way to go about that. You can put it in hot water and then keep it in a bowl or in a cup and then keep it there for some time and you open it up. It has this very nice feeling or nice smell. You can also use baby oil or get some jojoba oil, almond, something like that is probably an essential oil with a scent, you know, and then just find a small vase or glass and then keep it in there. It gives you a very relaxing feel so if you're doing that every night that's what we call a routine so you can figure out how to get your diffusers handmade and then get that face mask done also handmade it's also advisable to go to bed at the same time every night i have a friend who goes to bed at the same time every night now, I haven't told him this, but it's very, very surprising because immediately it's 11 o'clock, he's gone, right? It's like he puts his phone on do not disturb and then he just shuts down his body. It's very interesting to me and honestly, that's something that I've seen someone do, so I know it's possible. Going to bed the same time every night is very advisable to people who battle with insomnia. You need to release anxious thoughts by journaling. I don't like to write at night time. It depends, unless, you know, the inspiration or something drops in my heart at that time. Sometimes I may be asleep. Night time is like one of the best moments for thoughts that are very toxic and anxiety filled, you know, nerve wracking. That time is time that thoughts like that come to you. So you can actually decide to journal at that time. Just write every single thing down. If you're a writer, people with RA might also be into book reading. RA is a disease that affects people's joints. So sitting in one place at a time and holding the book, flipping pages can be very painful for people battling with that. So there's so many alternatives for that as well. You're able to read, probably have an audiobook have an ebook just so that doesn't really affect movement or make you have the need to sit in one place you can actually do other stuff while you're listening and i also advise lots of audio journaling as well normally when i'm too lazy to write i just pick up my phone go to my voice recorder and i just talk i talk and then that's pretty much a way of journaling as well Keep your bedroom cool and dark. If you haven't got a fan on AC, how else can we figure this out? If you are in a place where there are no mosquitoes, you can open up your windows and just keep your room cool for a bit. Keep it dark, just very relaxing. If you are not really relaxed in a dark place, that's fine. You can keep your lights on. Just make sure that it's a very relaxing place for you at night time or even in the afternoon when you need to take a quick nap or mornings, maybe probably after your evening shift. Limit your alcohol intake in the evenings although i don't encourage alcohol if you do take alcohol make sure that you are limiting it uh limiting your intake in the evening times or times when you need to fall asleep avoid caffeine after lunch 
lunch is normally eating at 12 or 1 or 2 and caffeine can actually be very active for a really long time so that also might be a problem with insomnia because then you probably drank coffee or something with caffeine after 12 and then it's still not worn off so you probably would not be able to get some sleep so these things that i'm talking about with these tips for getting a good night's sleep uh, has its source from why we sleep a writer called walker was published in 2017 people who love reading for people who love reading like myself they also did research on books that talk about self-help and psychology why we sleep is the book by matthew walker the unspeakable mind is a book by shyly jen the power of habits is also a book by charles duhigg the positive shift is a book by Catherine a sanderson PTSD is a huge topic and so diagnosing it in your room or diagnosing it in your car is very unacceptable or I would say is not advisable because all these things are things that are coming with PTSD so if you're okay with diagnosing it yourself and staying at home and trying to treat it I really wouldn't advise that I would hope for you to go out there and get diagnosed by a trained medical professional down and notice all the small things around you these moments have the power to fill us with joy if we only pay attention what am i talking about i'm talking about the trees the plants the wind i'm talking about the water i'm talking about mountains i'm talking about making your favorite drink listening to your favorite song i'm talking about the very little things that are very simple for us to do or that require less energy so things like sitting outside and soaking up the sun caring for your plants are very simple tasks and if you pay attention to those things more you will be surprised the amount of joy that can fill you up there's peace to be found all around us all you need to do is to find what makes you happy. PTSD sure sucks, but remember, you're a survivor. Bye! As always, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at thepainkillers.podcast. Looking for someone to talk to about something you're going through? Don't hesitate to send us an email at painkillers.helpline at gmail.com. And if you want to join this community while providing support in terms of finance for kind, you can email us at assist.painkillers.team, T-E-A-M, at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this episode with your friends. You might just be saving someone's life. Music is by Lacrombo and Paul Xavier. And massive thanks to my graphic designer, Adjoa.